people just think it's a fancy handle on the bugle tube, but there's more to it than just that. You know, in a goose call or a duck call, it's very precise. The size of the hole that you have in your duck call in the barrel uh, mm -hmm. to create certain types of back pressure and so forth, right? And so we then take that technology and put it into the bugle tube to create that back pressure so that A, you're able to operate your reed more efficiently with air and uh, more easily. And then that, you know, creates that back pressure, which accelerates the air through the handle into the baffle, which gives you deeper tones and also louder tones and the more crisp tones. That's a mistake I made early on in my elk hunting uh, days was I, you know, if I'd had three or four bowls going off, I always went for what I thought sounded like the biggest bowl. Now that bowl might have been straight uphill from me and I had two bowls that were parallel to me on a hillside. So I, I would hike twice as far uphill trying to kill something uphill, which is very difficult to do and base my decision off of the sound of the bugle. But now I, the first thing I do is who wants to play the game with me? Exactly. You know, who's, who's talking <laughs> with me? And then two, what's the easiest one to get in a good position to kill that bull? <laughs> Moral of the story is do your research, get there plenty of time to scout and acclimate to the uh, altitude, whatever. You know, if you're coming from the flat land, you're going up to 8,000 feet, that's a change, right? So give yourself some time to acclimate and, and do plenty of scouting, you know, talk to some folks, all the things that normal person would have done <laughs> except we did not i grew up in an area with tons of turkey i used to have you know 40 50 turkey go through my backyard every day and i always saw them as this kind of just dumb bird you know mm -hmm. and they are kind of dumb when you're not hunting them you know you watch them and the stuff they do you're like god it's not a very intelligent bird but as soon as you throw some camel on and you try to trick them to come <laughs> in within 20 yards of you yeah. they come very they're very intelligent and they're, you know and I, I wouldn't say intelligent they just have very heightened senses Mm -hmm. to know when something something's not right you know hey guys real quick before we get into this episode i need you to do me a couple of favors first go give us a review on itunes can't stress it enough it's really really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going next get involved with your hunting rights go join howl for wildlife super simple takes a couple minutes you can even do the free membership i don't care but be involved lastly i want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game and go get you some phoenix shooting bags use promo code john stallone to save 20 percent. that's all i got for you let's get into this episode hi welcome to days in the wild big game hunting podcast brought to you by phoenix shooting bags uh, today we have uh, Bill Ayer, and he's with uh, Slayer Game Calls, and uh, we uh, we're just gonna shoot the shit a little bit. I think I think we're just gonna list a couple of his good stories here, find out a little bit about what he's got going on, and uh, let's see where it goes. What's going on, man? Going on, John. Good to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. So, um, Bill and I have been talking, we might, uh, we might try to put together a, a John Stallone elk call here. We might try that. We'll see. We'll see how that works. Why don't you, uh, give us a little rundown about yourself and, uh, and then like to hear about, uh, about the game calls. All right. Yeah. So name is Bill Air, owner of Slayer Calls. And, uh, you know, we started about four or five years ago selling waterfowl calls and primarily focused on that uh, side of the business uh, as far as hunting goes and then about two years ago we started developing products for elk hunting 
and last year we released our first ever acrylic bugle tube our just you know regular bugle tube and then the enchantress bugle tube which is a push button type of call where you can cow call and bugle with and then we have some external calls and reads of course so we we launched those last year into the the elk industry and uh so you know we we thought we'd kind of limp into it last year and we actually were well received and got a lot of positive feedback and did really well so coming from waterfell primarily focusing on that we took some of that technology and pulled it over into the elk calls which you know was the acrylic bugle tube which we call the archangel people just think it's a fancy handle on the bugle tube but there's more to it than just that you know in a goose call or a duck call it's very precise the um, size of the hole that you have in your duck call in the barrel uh, mm-hmm. to create certain types of back pressure and so forth right and so we then took that technology and put it into the bugle tube to create that back pressure so that a you're able to operate your reed more efficiently with air and uh, more easily and then that you know creates that back pressure which accelerates the air through the handle into the baffle which gives you deeper tones and also louder tones and then more crisp tones. That's awesome. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool looking. It's definitely, um, and you have one that actually has your bugle tube actually has a reed in it too, right? You have a mouthpiece that you can attach to it that has a reed, like for the guys who yeah. don't want to use it, the, um, diaphragm. Mouth. Yeah. If you can, you, you know, if most people, if they can't use a diaphragm, we found that, you know, 50% of the folks out there all kind of, you know, really can't use a, a mouth diaphragm and, uh, you know, or they got a gag reflex or something like that. So mm-hmm. what we did is we designed this enchantress, which basically is the metal frame. And then we have a silicone button over the top of it. That's the shape of a human tongue and has the same consistency of a human tongue. You just use your thumb to push down on it, just like you would, you know, your tongue on their reed and uh, create the cow calf sounds estrus cow sounds and then you attach that to the bugle tube and you can actually bugle with it that's cool i was looking at that and uh, you know i was thinking you know that might be kind of cool for for guys who don't want to use that uh you know or, or can't use and i feel like those things you know they they offer a level of consistency too that you know you can't necessarily replicate with the diaphragm i mean personally i don't if i'm confident enough that um that i can make elk sounds with a diaphragm i'd rather use a diaphragm because i don't want the super super consistency the only time i want the consistency is when i know that i can't make sounds yeah does that make sense you know it's like yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah like i would prefer to have you know, my bugle sound a little bit different from each other when I, when I call so that I don't sound so robotic in a, in a, in a sense. Yeah. But if I can't, you know, if like one time I get a great call out and the next time I sound like I'm a dying chicken, then for sure I'd much rather have <laughs> a very consistent call, you know. But, yeah, and the thing about this Enchantress, though, you can change it up. Like I can go calf cow, I can go an old cow, I can mm-hmm. put a little voice in it, right? I can then I could do a lip ball cow call and sound like an estrus cow. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty crazy how many different sounds you can get from it. It's not 
you know, I think everybody has that uh, idea that a push button call is a hoochie mama. Oh God. Yeah. And, uh, right. And it's like, anytime you hear somebody in the woods using that, you're like, Oh, it's a hoochie mama. Right. Right. This thing, this thing here, um, it's not like that. Like okay. you can get a bunch of multiple sounds out of it, but I'm with you too. Like I'm going to use, yeah, cause you're still operating it with your, your breath and your voice and your inflections. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But, but I, I prefer mouth read personally too. A, it's yeah. hands free. Sometimes I'll get hiking up a hill and, uh, you know, I'll get caught in mouth and sometimes I'm like searching for any type of moisture so I can get that read around, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now on the Enchantress, is that bugle tube itself? That one's different. That one's all plastic. That one's not a. Yep. That's all plastic. So, okay. um, it's more like your traditional baseball bat, uh, bugle tube. Uh, next year we'll have the enchantress that will hook to our acrylic uh, bugle tube. Okay. Now I know this is automatically is going to be a question because elk hunters are very conscientious about weight. What kind of a weight difference are we looking at with the acrylic tube versus that plastic tube? Yeah. The acrylic tube runs at 11.2 ounces. Okay. So, uh, you know, I think the average bugle tubes out there are running anywhere from nine to twelve ounces, so it's it's oh, not it's not really much not, heavier. Okay, yeah. so see, I yeah. I would have I would have assumed that it was going to be heavier. Uh, you know, what, I've seen some other tubes come out on the market this past year. Um, not not to uh, talk about your your competition here, but I saw the uh, aluminum one come out from I think Phelps put it out this year and. I was very like, yeah, I don't know if I want to carry that extra weight, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it'd be a smaller tube on top of it all. So yeah. I was very yeah. leery, but I, I'm very curious to see what kind of tone and what kind of um, sounds I can can pull out of one of these uh, acrylic ones. I got to yeah, well, send it, so. ones so you can check it out. Uh, you know, it took fourth in the. Uh, in the men's division this year in the world elk hunting competition it took first in the non-pro competition so i think it stands up on its own it, it just makes a different tone you know like the mm-hmm. you know the the all aluminum tube make it has a, a very specific uh, tone to it not to say it's good or bad it's just different right, right. and i think oh. ours is is different is different yeah i, exactly. I think difference so. good because you know and I don't consider, I definitely would not consider myself a competition caller in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I feel that I, even though I've, I've been with competition callers and I've been out in the field with them, they sound amazing. I still get equal responses out. And it's, it's not, and I think it's because, well, you know, every elk has their own voice. Every elk sounds different, mm-hmm. just like you and I sound different than each other. Yep. We have our own accents. We have our own sounds and tones and whatnot. So like that, as long as you're speaking the language, I think then having different tones actually helps you out, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, I've heard elk sound like donkeys. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck was that? You know? I, I had an elk this year. I, I literally thought I had a bear above me. Mm. I had a bull on my right side, a bull on my left side, and uphill I had what I thought was a bear, you know, just, you know, making that. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, holy shit, I've got an elk bugling here to my right at 100 yards. I got an elk on my left at about 80 yards of bugling. 
and I got a bear above me. I'm like, what the frick is going on here? And that thing kept walking back and forth, making that noise. And eventually I, I was listening. I'm like, man, that might be an elk. And then before you know it, he came chasing some cows out of the, out of the dark stuff, out mm-hmm. of this little opening. And it was this real nasty, thick five by five bull. <laughs> I was chasing about five or six cows. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I never get surprised anymore. I used to like be like, oh my God, I can't believe that's an elk. And they make some weird noises. And I've heard giant bulls sound like little yodely um, spikes or whatever. And you just never. The only thing that with certain is is that if you do hear a very big, deep, nasty bugle, it's not coming out of a young one. That's the only, yeah. that's the only thing that I, but, but the other way around, just like rubs, you know, people say that all, you know, um, yeah, look at this rub. Yeah. Look at this rub or whatever. But yeah, big rubs are, are made by big bulls and not little bulls, but little rubs could be made by big bulls very easily. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I don't, I don't, I do not, uh, discount anything. I try not to be like, okay, let's, let's go after this one. Because. Yeah, that's a mistake I made early on in my elk hunting uh, days was I, you know, if I'd had three or four bulls gone off, I always went for what I thought sounded like the biggest bull. Mm-hmm. Now that bull might have been straight uphill from me and I had two bulls that were parallel to me on a hillside. Yep. You know, that didn't see right. And so I, I would hike twice as far uphill trying to kill something uphill, which is very difficult to do and base my decision off of the sound of the vehicle. But now I the first thing I do is who wants to play the game with me? Exactly. You know, who's, who's talking <laughs> with me? And then two, what's the easiest one to get in a good position to kill that bull? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, I always go for the one that seems like it's going to be, I always go for the bird in the hand, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. say, oh, always is not a good, a good thing for yeah. me to say, but I like to yeah. typically go for the bird in the hand. Yeah. Yeah. I always have the, I always start to, you know, in my mind, I start to formulate the size of a bull based on a deagle and then how it always gets the better of me. <laughs> like, listen, it's lip ball and the thing's got to be huge. It's pretty huge. Yeah. Seven by seven. Go for him. More often yeah. than not, you'll be disappointed in that scenario. Yeah. So I know you guys are doing, I know we were talking elk here, but you guys do some pretty awesome turkey calls too. I, a buddy of mine was talking, telling me that he used your, your calls this past season. Yeah, yeah, we have six different cuts of turkey calls. We have center cuts. We got you name it. We got straight reeds, double reeds, triple reeds, bat wings. Um, so we got a bunch of different cuts. And you know, the one thing about our our calls, we stretch them a little bit tight, you know, to, to start off with. So they take you know a little bit to break in once you loosen them up. But uh, no, we we released those last year, and we've got a ton of good feedback on it. So yeah, we'll see what they do this year. Awesome. Yeah, I have have something up my sleeve. I'm hoping I can come out with it this year. Um, we're we're get we're almost there, but uh, I have a little. I have an idea that I can't really share right now. But I was going to say, I, I, I don't know if you wanted to talk about. It. I know you had told me that you have some. Uh, you got some stuff down the down the pipe here that looks like you might uh, might change things up. You know, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We're like you know the enchantress. I hunted with that all this last year just to you know, field test it, make sure that we're getting responses from it. We can kill bulls with it. Um, you know, I may hold off on releasing this turkey product until the following year. We'll see. I kind of want to field test it and make sure that it is what 
you know, I know it could be. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so we'll see. Awesome. Well, if you got a couple of good stories you want to share with us, so maybe maybe some of these elk elk hunts that you 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 took the took the calls on this year, or yeah, well, I don't have a, a great story because i didn't kill a bull this year um nor my did, year was nor did i yeah i didn't <laughs> <laughs> but i can you know i can tell you plenty of close encounters you know i can kind of tell you about you know my elk year um sure you know i didn't didn't draw anything uh any controlled hunts here in idaho and i, I typically don't go out of state and i don't pay you know landowner fees or anything like that so if i kill something it's it's usually a controlled elk tag you know in a decent zone or a public land tag so this year I was, I was hunting public. I only had probably 12 days to hunt, uh, not all back to back. So I, I hunted opening weekend and I think I hunted the 15th, uh, September 15th for like five days and then kind of bounced around here and there, day, you know, a day here, a day there type of thing. Mm-hmm. But we got into elk. I think every single day we went out, we were chasing a bugle again, doing location bugles with the enchantress doing a lot of cow calling with the enchantress uh i did have joe and cody mccarthy with me a couple days and those guys are using mouth reads like i say we got in the bowls just about every single time we went out you know the one thing with the the unit i was hunting uh here in idaho is is probably one of the the highest number of people hunting it Mm. so i mean every one of those bowls we were chasing had been already chased you know probably 10 times that last year and so I was just hunting high pressure bulls and it was just so hard to get it to commit, you know, past that 60 yard bubble. I mean, I saw probably 10 bulls at 50 yards. I just couldn't get a shot on, but, uh, just could not close the distance to, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and over the counter public land where I was hunting like a 260 bulls probably, you know, you'd be happy with, you know, if you got something in the 300 range, you'd be super happy with. Right. Right. So, and so, you know, we did pass on some smaller raghorns and some spikes early on in the season. Um, you know, we're always looking for something that's a little more mature, uh, branch antler type of bull. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not, you know, definitely not to frown on anybody who wants to shoot one for meat. Go for it. Oh, yeah. For but sure. I, I, yeah. I always tell people if you want that, then just shoot a cow. Don't, you know. Don't shoot a little yeah. itty bitty bull if you can shoot a cow. I mean, unless you're tagged. So, like here in Arizona, we have elk bull tags and and cow tags, and they're separate. You know, it's not a any any elk situation like some of the other states. But um, yeah, I always feel like same thing with deer. I'm like, if you just want to shoot one for and you want to fill your freezer, then shoot a doe or shoot. Yeah shoot a cow yeah Not yeah we just uh so. yeah we just raised the steer and took half of it and my buddy took the other half side of the freezer full of meat so i was like eh, i don't <laughs> i'm not that hungry you know what i mean and like yeah. i said i don't frown upon people that you know want to kill a cow or a spike or whatever um more power to them i have no no problem with that at all um it's just you know me personally i'm always looking for that mature herd wall and uh it's almost a it's almost my, my Achilles heel because I'm always, and then I'm, you know, if I see it, you know, a 280, 290 ball, I'm like, ah, there's something bigger. It's the 15th. We've still got 15 days, you know? So I'm always, I'm always looking for that big dog and it kind of gets the better of me sometimes. Right. I got zero restraint. <laughs> zero. Uh, yeah. I, zero. I know a lot of people like that. There's a lot of arrows fly. And again, no more power to on. Yeah. Like that, you know? 
Yeah, that's why my trophy room is the uh, museum of the medium. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I just if I see something that I'd be happy with, you know, eventually, then I'm 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 going. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. And I always tell myself, you know, don't don't pass something on the first day that you take on the last day. You know, I think that's yeah. really good advice. Yeah, I, I kind of live by that. I don't know. I just there's certain places and certain things that I can do the like and I'll, I will quote unquote with throwing my air quotes up there uh trophy hunt uh like one like for for instance uh in South Dakota you know for mule deer I uh I will trophy hunt there because I've tagged eight deer there in the past 11 years and um I feel like, and and in New York, where you know where I grew up, I will hold out for a good buck. Now, I I used to just like, well, the other thing is too, I I would have two buck tags there, so I would shoot the first, you know, buck that made me happy, and then I would trophy hunt the second tag, you know. Um, but now I I don't even do that. I I won't shoot it unless it's, and it's and and it's not because for anything. It's like. I want to believe me, but the desire is there too. Um, yeah. It's just like, what am I going to do with another deer that's medium-sized deer? You know, like I, I, it's not like I'm a they got a giant mansion to put all these things in. You know, <laughs> yeah. but um, so yeah, that's that's part of it. You know, um, so some of it is also just transitioning into a different level of my in my life i guess i don't know how to put that but yeah that's that's so true though when you talk about having the house to put your antlers because i got one wall here in my house that i have the first elk i ever killed with a bow i have him up there and i killed a decent bull three years ago and i was like where am i going to put this thing mm-hmm. you know and i kept like this i kept going to this wall that wall this wall i'm like it just doesn't have like people are going to stab themselves with it you know right and uh so you, you got to think about that too like we're going to put them yep yep for sure that's a bit that's always a big thing and um my wife has been very patient with me and she's a lot <laughs> allowed me to have a, a quite a few ant, you know antlers on the wall here but but i'm running out of room you know i got yeah. piles of stuff in my garage and I mean, we're kind of busting at the seams as it is with this house, but and just in general, but to add more stuff, it's, it's just pretty crazy. Like I have stuff at taxidermist right now and I just haven't even gone to get it because I don't know what I'm going to do with it, <laughs> you know, oh, but yeah. anyway, I do, I do have an elk story of what not to do. Oh yeah. I'm let's sure hear it. Those are the best ones. Yeah. That's always the ones you learn from. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think this is the one that probably everybody knows, but you know, I did say I don't go out of state, but I, I did, I had a guy that I, I became friends with this year and, uh, he had an elk tag in New Mexico, unit 53. He's like, Hey, you know, I, I had to buy these and you know, I have some extra ones if you want it. And I said, well, you know, it was October 8th through the 12th. That's a five day hunt. It was a muzzle loader. I said, yeah, I'm not going to muzzle out. I'll go try to kill one with a bow. And it was late in September. I'm like, eh, yeah, I'll take it. I got nothing going on. The 8th to the 12th, deer season starts the 15th. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. So with no research, no nothing, we basically did our research. And me and Joe McCarthy went. 
And he he was sitting there looking at Onyx on the on our 15 hour drive to New Mexico, to, and he started marking some areas where he thought some elk would be. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is just a disaster waiting to happen. And you know, I thought it was going to be 5,000 foot elevation and uh, you know a bunch of scrub oaks and flat ground. And while we get there, we get to Cuesta, New Mexico, and that's sitting at like 6,500 feet. And then it sits on the base of these mountains that are anywhere from 12 to 14,000 feet. <laughs> and I mean, it's this dark, dark forest and it is straight up and down. And <laughs> so, you know, here in Idaho, you know, you're seven to 9,000 feet and it's, it's steep country, but again, it's only seven to 9,000 feet versus, you know, 12 to 14. And so we get there, we have one day to scout and uh we go out and there's there's a million people there you know non-hunters just people driving around and you know utvs and stuff oh yeah most of the country is zero access by any type of vehicle and we're right on a wilderness area so you know it's walking only so we scout the one day we don't find anything interesting and joe's like well you know this area here that that uh, I circled with should be whole milk. So we go out there and sure enough, we run into a bull and we get a vehicle in. Wind shifted on us, you know, both bow hunter story shifted on us. He, he winded us and took off. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we went from 10,000 feet to that day to about 11.5. And I got to tell you, man, it kicked my ass. You know, I'm, I'm in decent shape. I'm 51 years old, but it, uh, it literally kicked my ass just the recovery time. You know, you go 50 yards and stop and it'll take you three times as long to recover to keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this hike was pretty much straight up and down. So anyhow, we come down off the hill and we heard somebody bugling down in the drainage below us. And so we drive down and I see this kid getting into a pickup with two, uh, two older guys. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to stop and talk to him. So I said, Hey, going on was that you guys be going down the drain and she's like yeah he goes were you guys up on the hill he goes yeah we heard you guys and uh so we got talking like hey what kind of tube do you blow and he's like oh i got this new tube uh this year it's a slayer no no shit i'm like (laughs) i'm like joe's joe's the guy who makes the uh, diaphragms and uh i own slayer he's like oh no shit so he gets out of the car and we got talking well it turned out he was an outfitter there and uh he goes man i'm gonna tell you something normally i don't tell just random people where elk are he goes, you know, back here at this lake, he goes, there's about 200 head of elk. And uh, he goes, but it's, you know, about an eight-mile hike in, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's up to about 13,000 feet. And so Joe and I look at each other, and, uh, oh, shit, why not? So we Challenge throw camp accepted. on our back. <laughs> we throw camp on our back, and we made it about three miles in, and I was like, this is about as far as I want to go at this camp on my back. Let's just set up here, and then we'll walk in in the morning. And, uh, so sure enough, long story short, you know, we camped there. It was kind of a, a crazy night. It rained all night. We got wet. It was like, you know, 34 degrees. And, uh, we get in and hunt that morning. We got into three or four different holes and couldn't close the deal, but it was, it was, it was something, man. I got to tell you that, that elevation in that country mm-hmm. was, it was a most beautiful country I've ever seen, but also kicked my ass. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's different, you know, if you're, if you're not used to it for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've, um, I mean, like here in Arizona, we, if I'm, if I'm elk hunting here or guiding here, we're very rarely above 7,000, you know, maybe 8,000, but not very, not very high. I mean, there are places, there's some peaks here that go up 13 or whatever, but not, not a whole lot. 
and then you flip the script and you go to like Colorado or something like that and you're you know you're starting yeah. at 8000 with the truck and then you find yourself at 11 yeah. or whatever it, yeah, yeah it, you can feel it you can feel it for sure yeah yeah so the moral of my long story is i mean we got an elk every day uh each of those five days uh hunting but uh moral of the story is do your research get there plenty of time to scout and acclimate to the uh altitude whatever you know if you're coming from the flatland you're going up to eight thousand feet that's a change right so give yourself some time to acclimate and and do plenty of scouting you know talk to some folks right so all the things that that the normal person would have done <laughs> except we did not yeah so. yeah well you didn't have the time either though you know that was like the last minute yeah time, yeah you know yeah exactly and i'll tell you what we saw some beautiful country we got into some good elk and yeah, now you know for next time. Five days. Yeah, exactly. You know for next time for sure. I'm bring my horses next time. There you go. <laughs> that's a game changer. Talk to me a little bit about the waterfowl because that's what you started off with, right? That, is that what your passion, your passion was like? You know, in, yeah. I mean, you know, elk hunting, duck hunting, goose hunting. It's all my passion. But uh, you know, just long. You know, I won't bore you with the long story. But my grandparents, you know, are from Sicily, and he was a custom cabinet maker and you know i used to sit there and see his tools and watch him working and stuff so i always had this you know thing like oh, i want to work wood so i started training duck calls and you know folks were like man these things rip dude you should sell them and i was like ah i don't want to turn my hobby into a business and then about a year two years ago um i was like you know what i'm done with the whole software industry um i'm going to do this full time and so that's when we kind of took off and uh got serious about it so yeah i mean um people loved our duck calls i think last year it was top gear in field and stream this year we got the top duck call uh double read duck call in field and stream and i think five other magazines we got top gear so it's been really well received as far as being a quality call and something that people could use for a lifetime i mean they and, look know, badass the, for sure <laughs> yeah and they, you know one of the things is we take pride in what we make. Everything's made here in the USA. Um, I try to do everything here in Idaho. I would say 80% of it's done here in Idaho. Everything that I source, there's some things I have to go out of state for, but it's all here done in the US. And we try to take pride in everything that we make that's going to last you a lifetime. Nice. Yeah, yeah. duck hunting, um, it's one of those things for me, like – I love it. I absolutely love it, but I haven't gone in so long. And mainly because it's that, you know, the situation with the, the wife and kids, it's like, I only have so many uh, passes, you know, where I can, where I can go. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, do I want to go duck hunting or do I want to go deer hunting? I'll go deer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> kind of one of those situations. But man, I, I used to do it quite a bit here. It's it, you know, Arizona is definitely not a destination duck place, but we do have some pretty damn good waterfowl in here. And I, 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 um, you know, when I was getting into it, when we were doing it quite a bit, my late twenties early 30s i did i did quite a bit of waterfowl and, and um man we had so we saw some success i um it was different you know we were hunting like rivers rivers where there was like uh and i don't know what to call it but like uh 
kind of like where like maybe an eddy would form or something like that where the water uh, would be calm back, it, yeah some backwater yeah exactly you know something like that uh we did very well on those things and just yeah, and then we did we did some pond jumping and you know that type of hunting too but that would which was fun because you know you're stalking duck at that point which is cool yeah but i i've you know what i haven't ever done i've never gotten a layout blind and gone goose yeah I've, those are fun you know you you land they're kind of difficult to shoot out of you've never had before but that's pretty cool because you just blend it in the ground those geese literally will come right over you at six yards you know yeah i've always wanted i've been invited uh i got some buddies of mine i was invited by some friends in, in south dakota i also uh was invited to go in delaware and i don't know if that was layout but that might have been on boats or something but i guess they do a lot of um I think we probably speckle bellies and and like snow geese. I think maybe I got. I'd, yeah. I'd have to look back, but it was quite a bit of that. I kind of. I've always wanted to do it. I just never. I never got into. Uh, really got into it. You know, it's like. Got to give up one thing to do the other, and yeah, uh, I just haven't. Yeah, wanted I, to do that. I, I, I'm pretty blessed to have a wife that gives me free reign. You know, to go when I want. Plus. I, kids are older you know they're out of the house that makes it easier but oh yeah but you know for for me it's it's like i don't know i just love calling it you know when i got addicted to waterfowl hunting was the day because you know i used to do the whole jump shooting and mm -hmm. you know go out and just hopefully they come close enough for you to shoot or pass shooting type stuff but then one of the day i got addicted i was 10 years old i could tell you exactly the day and where i went where I was and who I was with, I was with these, uh, the Sobranis, my buddies, uh, his dad and his brothers. And, and I was sitting in there blind. I watched the, the Sobrani brothers work these ducks and call them in from, you know, they're flying over at 400 yards. You got them to break down, circle around about 10 times, come right into our decoys at, you know, 20 yards. And then we let them have it. And at that point, you know, I was like, this is freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, and what I realized what it is, it's like when you can speak their language and call an animal in, and that's the same thing with elk hunting too, right? Like that's why I love elk hunting. Yeah, it's the whole vocalization uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, like to be able to figure out their language, figure out what they, you know, what they're all about, and to be able to call that animal within, you know, five, ten, twenty yards, be able to so close you could smell them right, and their voice reverberates off your bones. Like to me, that that is the pinnacle of hunting. That's the that's the ecstasy of it. Like I, I get such an adrenaline rush rush off of calling animals in. Like I'll do that with coyotes too. Like we shoot them with shotguns at five yards. Like mm -hmm. you know, the closer we get them, the better. Um, and so for me, that that's the rush. Like shooting something at seven eight hundred yards is, you know, I'll do it. But it's not to me. It's kind of anti-climatic for me. You know, it's more like target shooting versus you know actually hunting right know? right do you uh do you guys have any plans to to do any predator calls yeah it's it's funny that you say that because i just uh ordered on uh, some design concepts to my marketing folks i got the call sounding exactly the way i wanted to sound now we're just in design <laughs> and uh doing that it's, it's going to be pretty cool the way i'm designing it it's going to be a screaming rabbit you know mm -hmm these red eyes so yeah that should be coming out here in the next probably month so awesome yeah that's another yeah that's another passion of mine i i um i very rarely firearm hunt 
coyotes once in a while shotgun but most of the time i bow on them i like calling them into that you know on their 30. yeah now the way i do it i don't know that i'd be able to do it with a mouth call i've done it i shouldn't say i've done it a couple of times I actually use it elk reed you know just whale on that but yep. um that's where i fell in love with calling animals period was was predator hunting first then believe it or not it was deer hunting rattling and grunting and you know creating this illusion to get a you know to full a buck and then i found that predator calling or fawn distress calling deer in the rut uh worked really really well for me and i figured that out um and then and then elk hunting you know elk hunting i mean I've been messing with calling elk here for I don't even know how long since I'm a teenager, but the actual falling in love with learning the language didn't happen until like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I got some family that are ranchers down in Nevada, and we we find the thickest, tallest sagebrush we can get. You know, we found that, you know, if you want them in close, the thicker the cover you can find, the better. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we've had them almost j- jump over us, you know, as you're calling. To me, it's it's just a, it's such an adrenaline rush. Like anytime you get an animal to come in, whether it's a flock of fifty mallards, you know, soaking in on you, or an elk, you know, seven hundred pound elk come screaming in on you, or a coyote come flying by you. It's to me, it's 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 freaking rush, man. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, it's it's cool. It, I, there's something about fooling them on their level. Yeah, and you got so many things against you, like they're. Their senses are so much heightened than ours. Their smell, their sight, their hearing, right? It's like, right. it's not easy. People are like, oh, going out and shooting them with a shotgun, that, that's not very hard. I'm like, okay, well, let's yeah. go, go give it a shot. See, see what happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> any, uh, any, any animal at that, you know, it's just like, we don't know what the frick we're saying. We, we, might, have, we might have an idea, but we don't know what the hell we're saying. We don't, we don't speak any of their language, you know, as much as we, try to humanize it and figure out what it is that they're saying, what they're doing. We don't really know what it is that they're freaking saying. So to be able to put something together, that's good enough, you know, to fool. It's like, you know, you dressing up as, I don't know, your wife's brother or something like that. And her being like, Hey, hey, what's up? You know, Bill. <laughs> you know, yeah. but and and, and or, I shouldn't say Bill because Bill's your name. But uh, you know, like, hey, what's up, John? You know, it's uh, yeah. and you fooled her. Like, even though, so you like, she should know better than anybody what her brother looks like. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I exactly. really like that. Yeah. But it's that it's that kind of situation where like you're taking somebody who's a master of of whatever it is that you're you're trying to mimic. And you're doing it well enough to fool them long enough for you to, you know, harvest them or whatever. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, I've always been intrigued with the, you know, that's kind of why, honestly, in the last few years, I've gotten really into turkey hunting. I was never much of a turkey hunter, although I've killed my fair share, but it's, they've always been like a secondary creature. I never actually physically went turkey hunting. It was always like I shot them in the fall. Uh, during archery season, because I was archery hunting deer, saw some turkey, put a move on them, shot a turkey, 
you know, that kind of situation. Yeah. Shot him out of a tree stand, ground blind, whatever. And, uh, yeah, but in the last few years, I've kind of like, I'm like really wanting to learn the turkey call better than I, I have. I feel like I've, I've gotten way better in the, in the last couple of years. And I want, I really, it's something I want to master or at least become as proficient as I am with elk calling. At least that yeah. that that level of understanding, I feel like I'll I'll be very successful. So I grew up in an area with tons of turkey. I used to have you know forty fifty turkey go through my backyard every day. And oh wow! Always saw them. Always saw them as this kind of just dumb bird, you know. Mm-hmm. And they are kind of dumb when you're not hunting them. You know, you watch them and the stuff they do. You're like, God, it's not a very intelligent bird. As soon as you throw some camel on and you try to trick them to come in within 20 yards of you, yeah. they come very, they're very intelligent. And they're, you know, and I, I wouldn't say intelligent. They just have very heightened senses mm-hmm. to know when something, something's not right, you know? Yeah. And I think that, I think that's with every animal is that their senses are so keen that they have such a strong will to survive that when something's not right, they just tend not to come. Yeah. You know I mean, they're just like, yeah. nah. It's not happening today. Yep, some Sorry, fishy. Guys. <laughs> some fishy about that. Some fishy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, they're fairly slow, big birds. I mean, like that don't really like to fly. They spend most of their time on the ground, so they're they're pretty much a target easier target. Yeah, for <laughs> you know lions and coyotes and fox and whatnot, bobcats. So they got to be. They got to be super weary. They got to have, you know, eyes on the back of the head and great hearing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, man, this past year in California, I was turkey hunting there with my buddy and I was completely in, like, engulfed in grass that was like chest high and I was in it and I had just kind of like made myself a little window and, um, I was hunting with my pellet gun because over there you're allowed to shoot turkey with pellet gun. And I had my pellet gun just out that little deal. And man, this turkey came and he was coming on a string and then he got to a certain point. He's like, uh-uh, I don't like that. I don't like that over <laughs> yeah. there. And it's like, I know he didn't see me. Like he can't see me. There's no way he could freaking see me, but, but yeah. So where about in California? Where are you? Um, we were kind of like by Sacramento, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's, I grew up in that area there. Yeah. So. Lots of turkey over there by Sacramento. Oh yeah. It's a ton of them. So. And that, that's kind of giving me my idea for this turkey thing I'm going to design. You know, I've seen so many turkeys attack cars and people and whatnot, you know, during the, mm-hmm. during the spring. And it's given me some ideas of, of what to do to uh, attract turkeys. Nice. So. Yep. I'm just gonna the old white t shirt and uh jeans camouflage will work great. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, I'll be like, ah that guy's not a hunter. Yeah. So well cool man. I appreciate you coming on and uh shooting the shit with me a little bit. I'm very curious to see what you guys come out with on that uh on the coyote stuff and interested in seeing the new the new uh elk stuff that's gonna that's on the horizon there. Yeah, definitely. I'd love for you to, I'll send you some product for you to test out and we'd love to get some of your feedback on it. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast and, you know, to talk a little bit about who we are and what we're all about. So, yeah, 
No problem at all. Where can our listeners find out uh, more about Slayer and, and you? Very good. Thanks, sir. Where, where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, so just go to slayercalls.com, mm-hmm. and we have all of our waterfowl, uh, turkey, elk, all of our products there. We have a podcast on there. We have articles, uh, both elk and waterfowl, that you can take a look at. we got cooking recipes. So we're hoping it's a place, slayercalls.com, that you can go to and, and uh, learn more than just about calls, but just hunting in general. And then also, you know, once you harvest a... Uh, uh, you know, duck or an elk or a deer that you can, uh, you know, prepare a meal and actually enjoy it. Sweet. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word and check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.